Welcome to Flipping Real Estate Like the Pros. Here you'll learn everything you need to know to be a successful real estate entrepreneur and achieve the financial freedom you've always wanted. There's no BS, no fluff, there's zero guru talk, just real real estate flipping knowledge. Here's your host, Greg Simpson. What is up, Alliance? Thanks for checking in today. I have an awesome guest for you, as usual. I have Daniel Clayman here. He is the founder of Rehab Valuator, one of the best tools that you'll ever find when you're going to analyze your properties, whether you're a wholesaler, rehabber, or even a buy-and-hold investor. Daniel's out of Richmond, Virginia, so welcome him to the show. Daniel, how are you doing today? Great. Thanks for having me on. Definitely. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Daniel. Where, where are you from? You know, do you have a family? How many kids? If you got anything like that. I don't have any kids that I'm aware of. <laughs> uh, not that I don't want them. That that might be in the works. Uh, I live in Richmond, Virginia. I grew up in Russia. I immigrated here when I was 12 years old with my family. We moved straight to Richmond, Virginia, which was kind of a culture shock because we moved from a from Moscow, city of like 12 million people, to suburbia and cul-de-sacs, and it was really scary. Uh, but then I lived in New York for a long time after college, and then I moved back to Virginia, started doing real estate deals here, uh, and then the, the rest is history, I guess. Very cool. So how did you get introduced to real estate investing? I I had an interest in it, even probably going back to college, but and, and this is at this point, I mean, I've told the story, and I think other people have very similar stories. It's it's almost cliche at this point, but the real interest peaked when I <laughs> when I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, and I think you know, I mean, that book has influenced a lot of people. But um, I at, at the time at the time that I was reading that book, I worked on Wall Street. I worked in New York. Um, I was I think twenty three, twenty four years old. I was making very good money for somebody my age. Um, I had a really prestigious job at, at a at a very good firm. Uh, on the surface, everything looked really great, right? My parents were really proud. I mean, I was making six figures at 24, which is great, but I was working my ass off. I mean, I was working 80, 90 hour weeks and I was in the train ride back for for Christmas, uh, for winter to see my family back in Virginia. And, and I was, and I happened to have that book and it, it kind of opened my eyes, right? I mean, the, the book basically just talks about how there's really two types of people in this world. There are people that work for money and there are people that have assets that work for them. And the only people to truly create wealth in this country or or the world, you know, real wealth, generational wealth, are people that are able to either have businesses or assets work for them. It's never people that trade time for money, right? And, and, now, and, and that made a light bulb kind of go off in my head because I... I thought I was in the right track, right? I was climbing uh, a career ladder and, and I was doing well and I was making good money, but the light went off in my head that that was never going to get me to the point of being, you know, A, wealthy, but more than that, free. Because what good is making six figures if you don't even have weekends to yourself? Right. So, and the book obviously talked about real estate as a as a vehicle to building wealth and building an asset portfolio that that works for you. And and so that was that was a very influential point in my life. I think that's when I decided that I needed to to kind of change direction. Very cool. So tell us a little bit how long you've been doing real estate. 
I, I bought my first deal, first couple of deals back in 2006, but I did it passively. So I was still working and living in New York. I had a buddy back in Virginia that was buying houses in, in Richmond and was renovating them. And I had some money to invest and I was already interested in real estate at that point. So I, I, I had some savings. And I invested passively in a, in a couple of deals with him, but I didn't start doing real estate full time until early 2009, right after the market crashed. I, okay. I left. I left my job in New York, and by left, I mean they laid me off, thank uh -huh. God. <laughs> I moved back to Virginia. Um, I drastically changed my lifestyle. I mean, again, I went from making six figures and, and having a you know, really nice place in Upper East Side Manhattan. I, um, I decided I didn't really want to have a job anymore. I moved actually back in with my mommy and daddy. Wow. Uh, I was 28 years old. I, I, you know, I basically just... I think the one thing I did well in my life and is that I uh, realized that if I really wanted my life to change, I had to make sacrifices and, 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 and the required sort of dropping my pride, right? And so when the market crashed, I left New York. I cut my expenses down to, to almost zero. I moved back. I was 28 years old. I had to swallow a lot of pride. I moved back in with my parents for a year and a half. Uh, but that allowed me to build my my multiple businesses because I didn't have the pressure of paying bills tomorrow, next week. Um, and I bought one house. I bought another house and I started, you know, I did some wholesaling, but I very quickly started building my rental portfolio. That was my focus almost from day one was to start building assets that would replicate my old salary and, and then go above that. Interesting. So, can you tell us a little bit about your first deal that you ever did? Uh, let's not talk about the ones that you helped uh, fund a little bit. Like, tell us about your first. Was it a was it a wholesale deal? Was it a rehab deal? Um, what kind of deal was it? The the first deal that I did when I moved back to Virginia was actually me and and that same buddy. We bought a shell, and then spent four plus months completely rehabbing that shell, and. You know how how you tell people, you know, if you want to get into rehabbing, start start small. Do a cosmetic renovation, do a couple of cosmetic renovations, then then move your way up to more complicated stuff. Well, <laughs> we didn't do that. I mean, <laughs> tr trial by fire, right? I mean, my first rehab ever was we basically bought a shell that was completely gutted. It had four walls, not even a subfloor, right? Wow. Um, and and we. But I spent like four plus months working 16 hour days, swinging the hammer and learning every aspect of, of renovating that house from start to finish. And obviously, we, there's a lot of stuff that we didn't do ourselves, plumbing, electrical, HVAC. We hired contractors to do it, right? We had some help with framing, but I, I was there for every step of the way. And even though I spent that four months doing absolutely nothing else, right? It was a tremendous learning experience because mm -hmm. after that first house, I had a much better understanding of what's involved in rehabbing, what things cost, what the timelines look like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and it, was, it was an incredible learning experience. But the, the second part of that learning experience came after the fact because I realized that, look, I mean, this was a fun experience, but I'm not going to do that again because in the four months that I spent rehabbing that one house, I'd missed out on probably 20 other opportunities. So I, I'd recommend somebody to do that once, mm -hmm. right? I mean, embed yourself with your contractors. Go offer to help for free. 
you're going to learn so much more by doing than by by watching or just by asking questions. I mean, we sheetrock, we painted, we we laid down floors, I cut trim. Every piece of trim in that house I learned to do myself. You know, hung kitchen cabinets. I, but I recommend you do it once, but then if you want to build a scalable business, you stop. Now, yeah. now even if I go to one of my rental properties and I see a, a hammer that needs to be driven through like a decking board and I have a hammer in my hand, I'll still call my contractor to do it. Uh, because it's not a good use of my time anymore. Sure. You know, Alliance, go rewind that for a minute. Remember, if you go back and listen to episode one of the podcast, I tell you how I got started in this business, and that was by hooking up with a mentor and doing stuff for them for free. Go out there, like, you, like Daniel said, go out there with your contractor, even that's a great tip, and just shadow them so you can understand everything that they're doing, so that way you understand when it's your project, um, how to actually do the project so you're not getting taken advantage of, uh, either cost-wise by the contractor or maybe even the time that it takes them to do a specific task. So. That was good stuff, Daniel. Yeah, and, and I would say don't just shadow them, right? Get your hands dirty. Oh, Again, I, I, I think when, when you're starting out, the, the, the key is you've got to be able to just completely swallow your pride, right? Whether that means doing what I did and just completely lowering your, your living expenses to where you can afford to make good decisions and not hurried decisions. Or, you know, even if you think the contractor should work for you, go, 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 work, go work with them for free for a few days. Get your hands dirty. Swallow your pride. Learn, right? That's the ROI on that long term will be incredible. Great stuff. So, Daniel, how, how did you find your niche and what is your niche currently in, in this business? I, the, the niche is, is changing, right? I mean, from the very beginning, I wanted to, to, to build a rental portfolio and, and I did wholesaling, right? Um, but I didn't do a ton of wholesaling. I did wholesaling because I was marketing for deals, deals that wouldn't really fit my my criteria for my rentals, I, I, I wholesale to other people. But from the very beginning, I wanted my niche to be building a rental portfolio. But within that niche, right, it changes. I, I started off doing single family rehabs. And for a few years, while you could still pick up cheap REOs, I was doing single family rehabs. I bought some duplexes, bought some quads. Then over time, I started picking up some land. So my niche has kind of changed over the last few over the last few years, my, my niche has transitioned, and it's transitioned to building rentals ground up. So most of my rentals that I add to my portfolio right now, I'm building duplexes, I'm building quads, I'm building an eight-unit building. Um, I've got a couple of commercial projects that are gearing up for uh, construction in the fall of this year or, or spring of next year, uh, multifamily projects, you know, 20, 30, 100 units. But then... I also started building ground up houses to sell. So that's part of my niche now. So I, I'd say I'd say even more important than knowing what your niche is, it's it's important to kind of evolve and to recognize opportunities. I was never really interested in flips. I just never got excited about them, right? I mean, even as I was seeing other guys rehab houses and flip them, make 40, 50K house, I never really got excited about those checks. What excites me more is a $500 check that I'm going to get every month for the next 20 years. Sure. But because the market presented me opportunities to buy some cheap land in which I could build houses and sell them, it's, it's, a, nice little, it's a nice income supplement. So, so that's part of my business now. But what I'm primarily focused on is, is commercial and mixed use and, and apartment development at this point, because 
after you have 50, 60 single family houses, another one just doesn't make that much of a difference in your life. Right. Yep. Good point. Okay. So we've all gone through it. We've all had a rough patch in our business or our personal life. Tell us a little bit about a rough patch in your business. And, and then how did you get out of that rut, Daniel? Other than getting started, I mean, obviously that was kind of a rough patch when I was first trying to kind of figure everything out and I was poor and actually poor and happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I mean, that, that was actually a really fun time in my life. Um, I'd say I'd say another rough patch was when I really got bogged down with, with property management. Until your portfolio grows to a certain size, you really can't afford an in-house property manager. And I've never trusted third-party property managers. So after my portfolio got to about 40, 50 units, I was still managing it myself. And it was really detracting from being able to do new deals. And and everything comes in waves. So, you know, property management can be okay for a few months. And then you get like 10 maintenance calls in two days and you want to just set everything on fire and, and kill yourself. And it's those moments when, when, when you sort of ask yourself, hey, is this really right for me? Do I want to keep doing this? Because owning assets is great, but property management comes with its own set of responsibilities. You have responsibilities to your tenants. So you, you're going to have times when you're spending a lot of money to fix things, and, and it can be pretty frustrating. Uh, but to me, even more frustrating at that point in my life was not being able, not being able to devote enough time to the important parts of my business, right? Doing new deals building my business. So what I did was even before I could afford it, I hired an in-house property manager. So, and, and when I say before I could afford it, the, the math is simple. If you've got a portfolio of 50, 60, 70 houses, whatever, take, take your annual rent roll and carve off, let's say 8%, right? That's what you would be paying to a third-party management company. Now, you may be able to negotiate 6% or 7%, but let's just say 8 right? Once that 8% of your rent roll is $35,000, dollars $50,000, you can afford to have an in-house employee that all they do is manage your portfolio. So instead of giving that 8% to a third-party property management company for whom you, you'll probably be a small client, hire your own guy, train them. And all they're going to do all day long is just manage your property. To me, that's money much better spent. But what I did was before that 8% was even close to being enough to support a salaried employee, I bit the bullet and did it anyway. Mm-hmm. Wow. And and that was a huge shift because it took, you know, initially, yeah, you've got to spend more time. You've got to spend time to train them. But after the first few months when you've got them trained and kind of up and running, uh, the time savings to you is incredible. I mean, that was that was a game changer for me in terms of being able to refocus back on the things that I should be doing in my business. That's a, that's a great, great point, Daniel. Um, you know, it's all, it all comes down, down to this being run as a business, in my opinion, and there's no way to scale it if you're doing all of that kind of work yourself, whether you are, are swinging the hammer or you're managing the properties or you're the one taking all the seller calls when you're wholesaling. There's, you have to find ways to scale your business so that you can free up your time to do what you do best. Yeah, without a question. I mean, there's very few things that really you as a business person should be doing. Everything else should be delegated, outsourced, et cetera, et cetera. Definitely. Okay, Daniel. So I, I, I wanted to bring you on because you do have an amazing software available to 
uh, rehabbers, buy and holders, and wholesalers. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, Rehab Valuator? Sure. It's it's a software that in its original form was kind of a, just an Excel, like a fancy Excel-based spreadsheet that I came up with back in in 2009, 2010. But over the last year, we've completely revamped it. It's now a cloud-based application that you can run on, on any device, including your smartphones. But the, the software basically does two things really well. And it doesn't do everything, but it does a couple of things and does them really well. Analysis and marketing. So whether you're wholesaling, whether you're buying deals for yourself to rehab or you're buying deals for yourself to, to rehab and hold as rentals, it, it's gonna, it allows our clients to A, pull comps and determine what to pay for the deal, right? To make sure that they, they don't overpay. Uh, it allows our clients to analyze various exit strategies and see what makes sense. Uh, analyze different financing scenarios. You know, if I put 20% down on acquisition and another 15% down on rehab, how much cash am I going to have to put into this deal? What's my return on cash going to be? What's my money going to cost for my lender? So part one is analysis and you can create detailed rehab budgets. You can create scope of worksheets for your contractors. You can, uh, we're adding additional project management capabilities for the rehabbers. Those of our clients that rehab. And then the second part of the software, and that's the really powerful part, is marketing. If you're a wholesaler, you can click a few buttons and it generates a marketing flyer for your deal that you can either print out, you can email, you can post to social media, you can generate a full presentation, right? And so if you're a wholesaler, instead of calling, let's say, Greg and saying, uh, Greg, I've got a great deal on... 12 Grove Avenue, 50 grand, go look at it, right? You can you can push a few buttons, upload a few pictures, and you can blast straight to his cell phone a presentation that shows Greg exactly why he should pull the trigger in this deal right now, right? Here's the after repair value. Here's what I'm asking for the deal. Here's my projected rehab cost. Here's some comparable sales. Uh, here's, here's, here's some additional pictures of the property. So Greg doesn't even have to go to the property to see it. He's got 20 pictures in front of him. He's got all of his numbers. And you know, and, and as a buyer, Greg knows immediately, hey, this is this deal is worth looking at or I'll pass. So it's a huge credibility builder for wholesalers. It's a huge time saver for the people that they market to. And then the other part is if you are looking to raise money where our clients have had a huge amount of success is creating deal funding pitches for private lenders and for hard money lenders. Again, right, you, you push a few buttons and it creates a funding presentation that you can blast out to, let's say, a potential private lender and show the private lender exactly uh, what they're going to earn on the deal. You can show them pictures of the deal. You can show them the cash flow projections for the next six months, right? And it speaks the language now instead of your wholesale buyer, it speaks the language of your lender. It showcases the deal and it makes you look like a rock star. So we, our, our clients have raised at this point, tens of millions of dollars using the software. I'll be honest with you, Daniel, that the whole, the whole part that got me excited when I first uh, uh, bought your product uh, many years ago was the, the marketing aspect of it. Because like you said, a couple of clicks of a button and you have this beautiful presentation in PDF format that to just email it off. You can share it on social media. Uh, what I loved about the new version of it is, is obviously it is cloud-based. Because um, it, uh, you know, when you're on your laptop, you know, Excel or on your phone, Excel doesn't work so well. So this is a right. total game changer now. Yeah. Um, 
but I love that you guys now have like the uh, shareable link, like that's that's uh, dedicated to that specific deal that mm-hmm. you can share on social media. You can, like you said, you can text it to your buyer right away. You can put it in your text blast if that's what you do to, to your buyers list. You know, it just makes it so it's seamless. I would say. Yeah, I mean, you can you can do everything from from your phone from the field, right? I mean, it's it it's it saves time. It it makes you look good. I mean. It, if you're brand new, you're, you're going to struggle a little bit with credibility, right? What do you say to people? How do you get people to pay attention? This this cuts through the clutter and, and helps you get deals done. Uh, we've also added a section to the website where you can post your off-market deals for other cash buyers around the country to bid on. Uh, and so we're constantly adding new new features to the platform. It's something that we're reinvesting very heavily into. Very cool. So guys. Um, all of this stuff will be in the show notes. We will have a link for you to go check out Rehab Evaluator in the show notes. You can also go to our website, flippingrealestatelikethepros.com, and we will have that up there for you as well under the affiliates uh, tab. All right, so back back to the other stuff, Daniel. What What's the craziest deal you've ever had to go through? Oh, I mean, I've done, in, in my time, I've done some pretty insane rehabs i mean I, and they post some of those before and after pics on my on my facebook page uh i mean i've done some rehabs where i think everybody else would have torn the property down um i i've restored that's one of the things i've really specialized in over the last five six years is doing historic restorations the, the area where i do deals all of the housing stock is mostly a hundred plus years old so almost every property i've rehabbed has been very, very old and, and usually in rough shape. I mean, I've basically done nothing but gut renovations over the last few years. So I just finished like a two-unit duplex renovation where the entire back, uh, it's a brick duplex and the entire back, uh, when, when I bought the property, it was already on our local city's demo list because they had already condemned it. Inside the back section in the kitchen, there was a tree growing. Whoa. And the tree grew... <laughs> inside the house and then the branches went through the outside brick wall and then back into the brick wall so we had to tear down the entire back section of the duplex and rebuild it with masonry and and reframe it and i mean that was that was a pretty crazy deal like by 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 all means i probably would have been better off if i had knocked it down or let the city knock it down it would have saved me some money um, so that was that was a pretty crazy property. I I just I just closed a few, actually about a month ago on uh, some on about three acres of land where I'm now having to go through. It's already zoned for 100 plus units, and I'm probably going to develop it. But I'm now having to go through. There is a bunch of dead streets and alleys on it that are no longer being maintained by the city. So I'm now going to be engaged in like a six to nine month long process negotiating with our local county here for them to give me those streets and alleys. And then we're going to probably develop it and put an apartment building on it and possibly some market rate townhouses. And so I'd say that's probably starting to be the craziest deal I've ever been engaged in because there's so many moving pieces to that puzzle. When when you get into that scale of development, it's just that it's a brand new learning curve and um there's excess road frontage there that I want to buy. There's, I mean, it, it's a very, it, it's just, it's a totally different ballgame. So I'm having kind of a blast learning that business because when you go from renovating residential stuff to doing something like that, I mean, the learning curve is just insane. 
I can only imagine. Yeah. <laughs> so, Daniel, what do you think is the most common mistakes that newbies make when they get started in this business? Here's what I see, because I I get, obviously, I mean, I, I have a large email list and people people email me all the time. And one of the things that always throws me off and that I see a lot of people do is, you know, one of my emails goes out in our, you know, when, when you when you get our software, there, there's a follow-up sequence that goes out to people. And one of the emails basically says, hey, uh, you know, how long have you been in business? What are you hoping to accomplish in the next one month, three months, next year? And one of the most common emails I get from people is that, hey, I'm brand new, and in the next year, I'm going to I'm going to wholesale five deals. I'm going to rehab and flip 10 deals. And I'm going to buy like 20 rentals. Okay. <laughs> and I'm like, no, you're, you're probably not going to do any of those things because you don't really know what to focus on. And, and that's probably the mistake that I see the most amount of people make is they, they get into the business and they get so excited and they say, okay, I want to do this, this, that, that. I'm going to start doing marketing and I'm going to get, you know, a thousand leads and I'm going to cherry pick five of those properties and I'm going to rehab them myself. I'm going to wholesale 20 of them. You know, I'm going to add 10 to my rental. And, and no, just find a lane, find one market, right? And, and when you're first starting out, just pick one market and pick one strategy and just, just get good at that, right? Before you do anything else, don't, don't tell me you're going to wholesale in five markets. When you're starting oh gosh, off, yeah, no way. I mean, you're you're just not right. You're gonna you're gonna drive yourself crazy. No. And then the the other thing that kind of goes hand in hand with that is that figure out just what the two three components that you're going to need to get your first deal done. Your only goal should be get that first deal done. So don't talk to me about you know one of the first things you're gonna do is start an LLC and should I start an S corp, C corp, LLC. What state should I should my LLC be based in? It should be Delaware, should it be Nevada. Like forget all that stuff. Go get a deal done. Just just get one. Figure out what what the two key components to getting a deal done and go do it. Right. And what are those two key components? Find one hungry cash buyer. Find out exactly what they want and then go find them that deal. And that's it. Could, couldn't have said it any better myself. Seriously. I mean, that's what we we uh, we teach. We we try to hammer home at the uh, the RIA that we own. I mean, you've got to just go take action, but be focused in your action because if you start going in different directions, you lose your focus, exactly like you were saying. So you got to bring it back, regroup, and move forward in that direction. I, I literally could not have said it any better myself, man. Thank you. All right, Daniel, before we let you go, what's the one thing you know now that you wish you'd have known when you first started? Honestly, and I, and I, I don't think this is probably gonna gonna apply to to a lot of your listeners. I guess I wish back then I knew how quickly the market was going to recover. I would have raised money, and I would have raised more money, and I would have bought bought more properties. Uh, when I, when I first got into the business, I actually thought about raising a fund to buy, you know, distressed real estate, mm -hmm. most single family houses. And, and I, I kind of decided to go at it slower and not raise the fund because I really wasn't sure just how quickly we're, we're going to see a recovery, right? And what, what the rates of return I could promise my investors on that fund. And at that time, back in 08, 09, you know, I think a lot of people thought it was going to be a much more prolonged recovery. And 
I just I just wish I knew back then that we we were gonna we were gonna get back to our sort of 2005 2006 levels pretty damn quickly because in in the market where I'm active we're we're already past those points. Definitely. So Definitely. that's a good that's a good one because I mean I, I got in this business well after the crash I got in the business in late 2012 so the market already recovered quite a bit by the time I got in I one thing I wish I'd have known is that I wish I had known about real estate investing uh, back in 2008, 2009 to have capital, uh, capitalized on the the, uh, the crash. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, last couple things, man. Uh, what's your favorite book and what are you currently reading? Um, it's, it's hard to say what my favorite book is. I, I'd yeah. say, I'd say, one of the books that had, uh, if I had like, if I had to reread a book, let me let me answer your question a different way because I normally don't reread books. But if if you put a gun to my head and force me to reread a book, I probably reread Fountainhead by Anne Frank. Okay, and not Atlas Shrugged, which is usually the the book that people cite, but but Fountainhead. That that was probably one of my favorite books that I read in 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 the last ten years. Uh, because it, you know, I highly recommend you read the book. Um, it's it, it was basically uh, the central theme of it was just kind of to me was following your own vision and just being absolutely uncompromising in in that vision and 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 not really caring about what society or what people thought. Probably one of my favorite reads. What I'm reading right now, literally on my desk right now. And, and and lately, and I, I read mostly business books. I mean, I don't read that much fiction anymore. What I'm reading right now is a book called Becoming a Category of One, How Extraordinary Companies Transcend Commodity and Defy Comparison by Joe Calloway. And we're, we're big, obviously, with my software company, my education company. We're big on customer service. Um, we're, we're big on sort of tenant retention with my property management company. And so... Uh, I picked that book up and I'm going to give a copy of it to my employees as well because it's um, it, it, it talks about how even if you're in a commoditized business like property management, you know how how do you set yourself apart from everybody else? How, how do you how do you really go and above and beyond for uh, your clients or your tenants or whoever it is you're servicing so that uh, all of a sudden price doesn't become the only factor, right? That that's how you get people willing to pay you more money for the same product. It's, it's through service. It's through customer success. It's, it's through all of those things. So I'm um, in the middle of that book right now. I really like it. Interesting. I'll have to check that one out myself. I'll probably put that one in the show notes too, Alliance. Okay, Daniel, obviously real estate provides us with a lot of, a lot of freedom, I would say. Um, so what do you like to do for fun? I, I travel a lot. I mean, I typically I'm out of the country at least three, four times every single year. Right. And that doesn't include other trips. I mean, I probably take 12, 15 trips a year minimum. But, you know, last year I, we, we went out of the country, I think, five times. Wow. Um, and, and, I, and, and I'm a workaholic. Right. So the only way I can. And, and I mean, I really love what I do. So the only way I can actually get myself to stop working is to physically leave the country. Yeah. <laughs> so, I know what you mean. So. So, yeah. So I travel. I mean, I, I try to spend a month or two every year out of the country, see, seeing the world. That's, that's really that's great. That's really one of my favorite things to do. Very cool. Well, Daniel, 
you provided with us with a ton of great stuff today. Any parting words for the Alliance? Um, no, just just sort of find, you know find your niche and and just just become good at one thing before you you do a lot of other things. And and obviously, if they're listening to you, Greg, then then they're they're getting educated. They're in the right tribe. They're they're already ahead of most people because they're they're taking the time to to learn, right? Which a lot of people don't. They they just jump in. So. Um, no, that's about it. I appreciate you having me on. I mean, this is always fun. So I'm, yeah, I'm happy to do it. Thanks again, man. We'll have you on again, uh, sometime in the future. Sounds great. Thank you. Have a good one. You just listened to another flipping real estate, like the pros podcast. You're another step closer to fulfilling your dreams as a successful real estate entrepreneur. We'd like to thank you for putting your trust in us to be your guide into this exciting venture called real estate investing. For more information, visit our website at www.flippingrealestatelikethepros.com. Catch you on the flip side, Alliance.